Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, the streak stops here. The Utah Jazz get beat by the Denver Nuggets, 128-117. 11 straight wins, gone. First place in the West gone, too, because the Clippers beat the Knicks pretty convincingly. So Clippers now have the best record in the NBA. They're a half game in front of the Jazz, and the Jazz are half game up on the Lakers. Man, the Lakers were fortunate to beat the Celtics. Woo! They almost blew that thing right at the end. Anthony Davis getting stripped there in the final 20 seconds. And somehow the Celtics couldn't score. They had the fast break and everything blew it. So Lakers got the win, and the Jazz did not. The Nuggets came out and hit eight straight three-pointers. And, you know, the Jazz defense wasn't as good as it should have been, and Quinn Snyder got to that in the postgame, and we'll hear that coming up later, later uh, in this hour. And the defense should have been better, but even when they're open, you know, you just don't expect guys to hit 15 out of 17. Nobody had hit that high a percentage on that many shots ever. Locke was saying there's like a list of – like uh, a handful of teams, less than 20, that have, have made 15 three-pointers and a half, and none of them were 15 to 17. It's like 15 to 22, I think, was the best percentage. So the Jazz were unfortunate that some got missed. Now, you know, if you can test more of them, they probably don't go 15 for 17, which Quinn will bring up here. You know, why not go 13 for 17 or 11 for 17? Nonetheless, the thing is, you're going to get beat. The win streak's not going to go on forever. The Jazz have basically had like 10, 9 or 10 streaks in their history that have been this long. So it's going to end. And when it ends, do you want to end the way, um, well, the way Brooklyn got beat or the way Chicago got beat on Saturday or Brooklyn on Sunday where they're giving up two three-pointers and have a terrible turnover, a held ball in Chicago, and then they lose the jump ball and Damian Lillard beats them with another three, or just a hideous turnover in the backcourt, you know, just some terrible mistake. Or do you want the other team to be, to be going off? Um, I, I think the thing is when the other team's going off, you have to fight back. You have to make a run. And the Jazz did that in the third quarter. They were down 28, and they cut the lead to eight, but they didn't get any closer, and the Nuggets take over and uh, control the fourth quarter, and there was no drama at the end of the game. The Nuggets had it. They, they had it wrapped up. So the streak ends there, and uh, we're left to debate, you know, what's the most painful kind of loss? And then the Jazz just have to pull it together because they got Detroit coming in on Tuesday. And Detroit is a bad team. I mean, they're 5-15. and 15, So, you know, you can't spin it. Five wins, 15 losses, you're a bad team. You know, you're, you're on pace to win in a full 82-game season. That's like a 20-21 win team. That's a bad team. However... Detroit, on Thursday night, beat the Lakers by 15. So even bad teams have their day. They still win 20 games, and they can take down good teams because, you know, everybody's got good players, blah, 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 yada, yada. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how this shakes out for the Jazz. As they uh, they got to get, get rolled. And then they go out on the road for three games, all against kind of 500-ish teams going to uh, Atlanta and Charlotte and Indiana. Yes, they'll see Gordon Hayward on Friday. All right, we'll have the best of the Jazz postgame show coming up. College basketball this weekend. Uh, there was a lot of winning going on. The uh, Cougars won. The Utes won. Weaver State won. The Aggies didn't play. Dixie State got their first uh, conference win in the WAC. Uh, <laughs> the, the Cougar game, holy cow. You know, they won, and, and Mark Pope still hasn't had to suffer through back-to-back losses, so that's good. But, man, it just – you know, it's, and maybe it's just in our brains. Maybe it's in my brain. Maybe it's in your brain. It's in PK's brain. And just, you know, we think BYU is better than they are. But losing to Pepperdine, getting scared by Pepperdine at home, then losing to Pepperdine, and then getting scared by UOP. 
Like, shouldn't they be winning these games by 10 or 12 and be in control? Double overtime. And they only got to double overtime because Barcelo made a great move. Driving baseline, jackknifing in between two guys and scoring with, what, 25, 30 seconds left in overtime. And it was rough. Loner had two free throws to win the game, you know, freshman. So I guess it happens. Pacific had possessions both before and after those free throws with a chance to win, and they couldn't hit shots. I mean, BYU was really playing with fire. You know, one lucky shot goes in, and you're beat. You know, that's, that's why you want to be up by 8, 10, or 12. So if someone banks in a three like happened to the Jazz earlier this year, well, it doesn't beat you. It scares you, but it doesn't beat you. Uh, and BYU, whew, they played with fire, and they escaped. We'll hear from Mark Pope uh, coming up. And then, uh, and then the Utes. Wow. Just on Friday, PK was saying, like, they're the Forrest Gump of college basketball. You never know. You never know. They lose. They're at home. They lose three out of four at home. They blow a 10-point lead at halftime. They blow another 10-point lead at halftime just when you think there's no hope. They beat Stanford, who, who looks like they're pretty good. And then, okay, now they got to figure it out. And, and they lose to Cal, who looks like they're really bad. So now they're going back on the road where they haven't won in more than a year. And they beat Washington State, which makes no sense. So now they're going to beat Washington. Washington's worse than Washington State at the time. They were last place in the league. And the Utes lost to them. So you just, you don't know. And sure enough, the Utes get behind. And they're down like seven and a half. They're down 17 midway through the half. Kristoviak's getting a technical foul for saying a bunch of stuff I can't say on the radio. They're down 19. And Alfonso Plummer goes off. Three ball, three ball, a couple of threes in transition after that. He has 23 points in like 17 minutes. Nobody does that in college. But he did it. And the Utes come back and they beat Colorado. Really good road win for Utah. Here's Larry Kristoviak after the game. Larry, you guys were down by 19 points with about eight minutes to go in the game. Normally, as, as you're getting closer uh, you know, to the end of the game, you, you kind of start emptying your bench. But then Fonz goes off just – Walk us through what happened in, in that stretch. I mean, what, what did you tell your team when you guys were down by 19? Well, the, the whole focus is to not quit. I mean, we don't uh, make a game of it unless we can cut it to 10 or 12. And I thought that was that was imperative. There's no 19-point play, but the guys really moved the ball. We got a number of stops. We had uh, an elite rebounding performance, I thought, defensive rebound where everybody guards were in getting them and it's you know it's it's math it's very fortunate um but our guys didn't quit and Fonz came in obviously hit a bunch of big shots and we're not going to throw in the towel um you know until we're till we're certain that we don't have a chance and there was plenty of optimism along the way and then to follow up how big of a win was this for you and and, in your program well it's huge I, I feel uh you know, I told our guys late in the game that we'd been through an awful lot. Every team has, and they deserve, I think, uh, Trevor, I think we've had 360 minutes of conference play. Uh, we've been ahead for like 210 of those minutes, and, you know, the, the record wouldn't indicate that. So we just, um, for our guys, the way we worked this week, uh, the improvement that we had, um, I thought was was really good, and things didn't didn't start out well. I, th- I think it was a 10 point, 10, 10, three point uh, shots made in the first half, a barrage. And we had a number of breakdowns and didn't really deserve to win. And then I thought we cleaned things up in the second half, obviously. All right. Moving along to Josh Newman. Larry on that, um, on the, de- on the final defensive stand, were you asking that, that Pella switch or did you want him to stick with his man? 
No, we were trying to switch everything. Yeah. I, I thought we were fortunate to get him to catch it. We didn't want him to advance the ball. Uh, we had fouls to give, but uh, one foul to give at that point. So if a guy were to catch the ball close, but we were, we were, you know, um, had all our guys on the three point line, it was really important that we didn't foul, but it was, uh, I thought, you know, that's where Pella's size comes in. He got up and elevated and got a piece of that shot. And uh, with some of his size, that was, that was a key play for us. And just with Pella, just how about the job he did, you know, sticking with McKinley and again, using his size and his length to kind of stick with him uh, and just get a piece of that shot. Yeah, no, it was, it, you know, super important. Um, he's a physical guard. I thought our coaches did a really good job with the plan of, throwing McKinley some different pitches. We had some switches, uh, you know, that we played. And then we got a little bit more uh, aggressive with him in pick and roll because he's such an elite player. But um, just, a, you know, a big credit to all of our guys. I thought it, it, was, uh, it was great to be here and even on the glass, on the, on the rebounds. And when we got him to miss in the second half as opposed to the first half, our guys did exactly what they needed to do. And maybe the biggest thing I thought was the ball really got moving, you know, um, on offense, we got the ball from side to side and, and Fonz came in and, and did his thing. So, um, we're super excited. Uh, up next with Josh Furlong. Yeah, Larry, that, that first half, especially there, you know, there's some, some struggles a little bit in the defensive transitions, a little slow, which allowed them to get 10 three pointers. Uh, and even kind of going into that second half, what, what changed? Obviously Alfonso started making some shots and offensively you were doing well in the first half, but what, what changed to kind of, kind of lock in and, and especially that last stand that you talked about where everybody was dialed in and it allowed you guys to win the game. Well, I mean, Colorado has three guys on their roster that you can't give an open three to, uh, you know, Maddox, uh, Walker, and Horn. And I think five of the 10 first half uh, errors were just a lack of concentration. We've got to be locked into those guys and make them put the ball down. We had a few occasions in the first half where we sucked in off of penetration and left guys. Uh, with our switching plan, as you saw in the first half, bigs were rolling to the rim and we had to double team. Um, and then our rotations were a little bit haphazard and we weren't getting out to guys and give credit to them. I think, uh, actually four of their 10 first half threes, they had a guy in their face. So it was kind of a perfect storm. And, um, you know, I thought the second half we were much more dialed in and aware, uh, you know, where those shooters were and then tried to make them have to put the ball on the, on the, on the floor. All right, moving on to Jay. Yeah, Larry, the, the technical foul, uh, coincidence. I mean, obviously that your guys just got going after that coincidence, or did you somehow plan that? Well, I mean, the, there's a lot of things in the course of a game. I thought there, you know, I, sometimes it becomes a little, a little bit focused on my part, but you know, I thought there was an over and back call, um, you know, in the second half that they didn't get. And an official told me that he wasn't able to get in position to see it. Uh, you know, that cost us a basket. And when that same official is standing on the line as we're dribbling across, whether it's 21 seconds or 20 seconds left on the shot clock, I did not feel like that call had to be made because we, we were on the move and it was certainly a bang, bang call. And so I, I lost my cookies a little bit on that one. Um, but, you know, you're at the point of a game where 
whatever inspiration you can get. If there's one guy that gets 10, 10, 10% more inspiration because of a technical foul, then, then so be it. But I didn't go out there with the intent uh, to do that. I'm just fortunate that I didn't take it another step. And, you know, coach Connor did a good job of making sure I didn't get a second one. That's where it's obviously we're probably looking at a different story here. And then as a follow-up, obviously Alfonso was the the star of the second half, but I thought Riley Batten really gave you some really good minutes and some a good lift. Uh, what did you think of his performance in the second half? Well, there were a lot of guys that stepped up. I thought Mickey, a uh, light bulb kind of, uh, flipped on with him in that run, you know, and, and he and there's a couple possessions in particular where Mickey had the ball in a trailer position and broke down the defense and had a hockey assist to, to Fonz and Fonz made an assist to Riley Batten who hit a three. So, you know, I think the, the, the biggest takeaway is when we move the ball um, because of, you know, that defensive team, that Colorado team is, is one of the top teams in our conference. And I thought in the first half, we got a little bit, and even in the second half, I thought there were some ill-advised shots, uh, which is something we're going to have to see. You know, you see how you move it. guy. I have no problem if we're taking open ones and uh, not turning it over. And I thought that was the key. We got a little bit of momentum and you felt that magic of what it's like to have the ball popping. And when it coincides with shots going in, that gave us an awful lot of confidence. All right, back to Josh Newman. Larry, obviously in the month of February, um, you know, the schedule is going to be crazy, but are things a little more manageable, at least for this coming week, now that you don't have to go to Tempe and then play Arizona on Thursday on a short turn? Do things get just a, a little easier now? Well, I, you know, I, I don't know about that. I think, that, you know, it was, uh, it was beneficial for us. I, we played four games in a week earlier we were about to play four in eight days, um, you know, and then we got a stretch coming up with five and 11 days to end the season. And as you know, there's nothing on the schedule for the last 11 days. And uh, the, the turnover to the turnaround to Tempe maybe wouldn't have been that challenging. That's not unlike a lot of road trips, except you're on a plane. But I do think there's a COVID risk. You know, we were in the Denver airport yesterday and there's an awful lot of traffic we're on you know the marta the the station to get to the bus and then we're going to turn around and go to the airport and go to phoenix's airport i just you know from a covid point of view i think that's really important but i think the challenge really would have been to play in tempe on tuesday and then try to turn around and and protect our home court against arizona and arizona state you know the following thursday which that's where it really starts to catch up to you and so i'm appreciative of the fact that i think uh you know I don't know that it's common sense, but it certainly is helpful to, to make this a little more palatable for our guys to be able to get through it. I don't think we need to kill them and, and uh, it would have been quite a challenge. So we're, we're excited to get back. We'll have a few more days of practice and then, then we have a normal, um, you know, travel partner type of weekend. And I'm certain we can get that Arizona state game in between myself and coach Hurley at some point that, that works a little bit better for all of us. Their, their schedule is, is pretty demanding as well. So I, I think it was a win-win for both of the teams involved. Yeah. Just a quick follow up to that. You kind of just touched on it, but at this point, just given how the schedule is kind of laid out, do you expect that game to be, to be made up the week before the Pac-12 tournament or might they, or might they try to squeeze that in earlier? Well, I don't know that there's a place to squeeze it in. Uh, If you look at the rest of our schedule uh, after Thursday, I mean, we're, 
I've been working with Scotty, our, our travel guy. And it's just like planes, trains, and automobiles trying to pack in what's left. And I do believe there will be a window and it's still obviously a lot of unknowns with the PAC 12 tournament and different things like that. But that's quite a gap between, uh, you know, where the PAC 12 tournament is scheduled as it is. And our last game, I believe at home against USC or UCLA. So that I, I I'm confident we'll be able to fit it in and, and hopefully we can get all 20 in before, before that happens. All right. Any other questions for coach? I, I have to share something with you because I took a snapshot uh, before the game. We're in the, the women's volleyball locker room. Our coaches are, and and it appears to me that there's three Polish female volleyball players, and I'm proud of the Polish heritage. But I, I took a picture. I don't know if you guys can see the name tag up behind me. I, I put myself here for a reason. Can you guys see the name of uh, of our gal up there, Zoe? Yep, we can see it, Coach. Zoe Neverodowski. There's you, Coach Larry Kristoviak. After his win, Mark Pope and the Best of the Jazz postgame show coming up. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The best of the Jazz postgame show is on the way in the next segment. But right now, we're going to listen to Mark Pope, BYU basketball coach, after his Cougars survive in double overtime and beat the University of the Pacific. Here's Mark Pope. The game was so incredibly awesome because we won. I'm so happy about that. Uh, and and uh, we, we went through our whole lineup and everybody found a way to contribute in different ways. And, um, and uh, on not our best night, the guys kind of gutted it out. And that's a real identity of this team. It's kind of who they are. Um, we might not know a lot of uh, other stuff about ourselves, but we know that we'll stay in there and fight and fight and fight and fight and absorb frustration. And so that was my takeaway today that I thought was spectacular. All right, thanks. Uh, we'll start with Mitch Harper and then Jake Edmonds. Yeah, Mark, uh, what'd you make of, of the, the second half performance from from B.A. And, and, and Alex Barcelo? I mean, first half also with B.A., but uh, just the overall play of the, that backcourt for you guys. Yeah, ABBA, let's go. What's the ABBA song? If you guys tell me ABBA song, I'll sing it for you right now. What is one? I'm thinking of some Mamma Mia right now. I'm, I, I'm drawing a blank, Mark. Somebody, can, somebody, somebody has got to be able to sing a line from an ABBA song. <laughs> Arnell, I don't pretend like you're not an ABBA fan. The little Dancing Queen, Waterloo. ABBA takes it yeah. all. All right, I, I, I have totally failed you guys because if I was really a good coach, I would have a couple lines memorized that I could sing to you guys right now in homage to the unbelievable performance that A, B, and B, A put together. But it's just tough as nails, man, and just kept fighting and hanging in there. I'm so proud of them. Uh, Co- coach, just kind of adding to that, Matt, Matt had a great overtime two sessions as well. Uh, all of them seniors, they combined for 60. Uh you know, what, what value did they have in a game like this that was stagnant and all over the place and, and for them to just step up at the right times, what did that mean? 
Yeah, I mean, listen, you usually, if, if your team and your program is functioning well, then, then really the, the senior's DNA is imprinted on the team. It's just kind of how it works. And it's not, this is not something that's happened because the first day of summer training camp, we said, Hey, we're just going to like, we're going to be toughness. So we're going to gut check and we're going to absorb frustration, but it just happens to be a particular skill and talent that those three guys have that makes a, such a huge difference in winning. And, and so the, the identity of this team, I think usually if your program's good, the identity of your team comes from your seniors a little bit. And that certainly is the case with these guys. Alex Marcel, tough as nails and, and he's hip on his shoulder, kind of uh, tough guy. And, and Matt Harms is tough in the, in the sense that he, he never allows himself to get too distracted. He just stays there with a, the, the kind of right, um, feel of intensity, uh, good or bad. And so, um, you know, we're, we're following their lead and they're doing a terrific job so far. All right. Norma Gonzalez, Jeff Call, and Mitch Harper. What was on the line tonight? What were you guys fighting for? What did you like? We're like, we're not giving up. We're not going to give up because we have this on the line. Like, what was it? Well, you know, these guys have worked really hard and they put themselves in a terrific spot, right? Um, we're in a really, really good spot right now um, in terms of trying to accomplish some of our goals. And, and um, but, it, you know, every game is a must win. It's just, it's the same for every team in college basketball. And, um, you know, I, I think there's even more than like thinking down the road about seating and tournament bids and all that kind of stuff. I think these guys have found a way to just care about right now, like to believe that right now is going to be a defining moment in what they accomplish as basketball players. So I don't know that their resolve was any more spectacular today than it was at, you know, on the road, St. Mary's or San Diego state, or, you know, uh, the, the night after USC or a hundred other times a season. Um, but these guys have done a really nice job about saying we are, we are not like, we are not going to relent. Right. We're going to, we're going to keep pushing and then live with what happens. Right. And I thought that was, I thought that was really special today. So you asked what's on the line. I mean, there's a ton of stuff like season long on the line, but I think what makes this group special is what they cared about tonight was winning this game, period. Just like what they've cared about all season long. They, they have this, they have a, a pretty skilled ability to be in the moment and care about the moment and not get distracted or discouraged by what happened in the past or what's happened in the future. I think that's a quality of a, of a, of a team that's got a chance to be good. Go ahead, Jeff. Coach, Alex has uh, obviously been the, the focal point of opposing defenses all season long. He's really been beat up. I mean, teams just really hitting him hard and focusing on him. What's it like to see him today come through like he did uh, in terms of leadership and just all the things he did on the court to help you guys pull this out? Yeah, I'm going to tell you something about Alex Barcella, and you guys know this. I'm going to get you off the beaten path, but it really does tell a story. So we're um, in pregame. We're in our final pregame kind of talk right before we went out, six minutes left on the clock right before the game started. And we finished up, and we always get in a huddle. And so Alex happened to be standing next to Townsend Triple, and nobody noticed this, okay? But – 
Townsend Triple is a great young man. He's been hurt for three months. He's missed really the whole season. He hasn't traveled with us. He's a walk-on. You know, there's a hundred reasons why he could feel not totally engaged. He doesn't practice with us because he's hurt, you know, the whole deal. And so he's kind of sheepishly walking into the huddle. And I just noticed Alex subtly just grab his, his wrist and like pull it up into the center of, of the huddle. And um, that is Alex Barcelo. Um, that he is, he is, he is working so hard to bring everybody into this circle um, because he knows we need everybody. Even, you know, Townsend Triple, who couldn't help him on the floor tonight and can't help him in practice right now and maybe feels a little disconnected from the team. Even Townsend Triple, like Alex Barcel is like, no, you're in this team and we're in this together. And so I know that's not exactly the answer you're looking for, but I really believe that's that's his special sauce, man. It's, it's pretty extraordinary how hard he's working to lead this team. Mark, uh, another good performance from Connor here uh, at home. He gets 31 minutes tonight. Uh, what was it uh, about this matchup that maybe let you have him kind of get a lot of run early in the second half and play those key minutes in overtime where he looked like he kind of got banged up? You know, it's it's um, so it's it's interesting how these lineups are working for me, but um, sometimes I feel like I can have a guy on the floor or two that I think has an upside, but they make me nervous. Uh, but when I do that, a lot of times I need to balance it out with someone like, hey, I know this dude is going to I know that this dude is going to stay to the ship. Right. In terms of experience, in terms of confidence, in terms of like understanding me. And so uh, I think Connor's been fantastic. You know, we've talked a lot about him over the last two weeks. We've talked about him more over the last two weeks since he's been coming off the bench than we were talking about as a starter. And he's probably having a bigger impact on the games right now coming off the bench. And um, I, I have a lot of faith in him. I got a lot of trust in him. I feel like he understands me and, and makes sense of the game. And, and so I kind of went to him a lot tonight just because it's comfortable. Like I have some comfort with him and he certainly delivered. I thought he was really, really good. Even, you know, even playing through the, the you know, the sprained ankle at the end of the game still was making really positive plays for us. What, what uh, just kind of a quick follow-up, uh, looking ahead, um, I know you guys are going to enjoy this win, but unique scheduling, you got a Tuesday game coming up. What becomes the schedule for you guys with no practice on a Sunday? How, how's that going to work? Yeah, it's just is um, COVID, it's COVID mania, right? So we'll um, we'll practice uh, and travel uh, all in, you know, we'll, we'll kind of recover, do our post day off, uh, and and all the game prep and travel on Monday to, to play a, a San Diego team that has just been super hard for us on the road. I mean, you know, we barely escaped with our life last year. They're a really tough opponent for us. And so we just, it's all we got to do. It, it's really what we get to do. We get to play, guys. And we're so grateful that, that uh, it's weird and, and sometimes it can be unsettling, but we're just so grateful that we get to play. All right, we'll take a last question from Jeff Call. Coach, was this afternoon just uh, really kind of an, uh, an I guess, an elaborately orchestrated uh, game to commemorate your 50th win as head coach? Uh, well, there you go. Uh, I don't know, guys. I wasn't thinking about, you know, I'm always just trying to, to find a way for it not to be my last game as coach. Like, if I can get through it and not have it be my last game, I'm, I'm super proud of that. Um, so... 50 games. We've been together for a long time. It seems like a lot longer than a year and a half, doesn't it? 
I mean, I can see in your faces. You're just like, could they get somebody new in here? So we have to stop talking to this clown every single day. And I'm not mad at you. 50 in the books, guys. Appreciate you guys. There's BYU basketball coach Mark Pope after the win. We're going to take a break. Come back with the best of the jazz postgame show next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz get beat in Denver. The 11-game streak is over. Denver shooting the three very, very well. Here's Jake with the best of the postgame show. Your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz streak ends at 11. They lost yesterday afternoon to the Denver Nuggets. 128-117. to Unbelievable offensive performance for the Nuggets. Uh, Nikola Jokic tied his career best 47 points he was 12 uh, excuse me 17 of 26 shooting four of four from three nine of ten from the line he had 12 rebounds five assists two steals and a block and was just unstoppable and uh, Denver came out of the gates uh, firing had 43 points in the first quarter and uh, really didn't look back the jazz got it within eight late in the third quarter but just did not have enough to get back into this one to end up losing 128 to 117 uh, Boyan had a nice night for the Jazz, though. 29 points, 8 of 13, shooting 5 of 10 from 3. His second uh, really nice game in a row, so that is a positive to take from the loss for the Utah Jazz. But let's get uh, let's get to some post-game sound for you. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. All right, we'll get started with Tony Jones, the athletic. Coach, the obvious you know, story of the at least the first half, which extended to the game, was was Denver shooting 15 for 17 from three. Was there anything that you guys were doing wrong schematically, or was this, or were you got, or were you satisfied with the defense and they were just making tough shots? Well, I think you know, you saw the game, Tony. There, there was a lot of tough shots, but there were you know th- those tough shots either you know, maybe you can take them away altogether. Um, maybe you can make people more uncomfortable. Uh, I didn't think we had the edge that we had defensively. Um, you know, who's to say? Hats off to Denver for making those plays, of course. Um, but I thought in the second half we came out uh, with more of an edge. I mean, we cross-matched. We played zone. Um, we doubled. We played man. Um, but ultimately, I think it doesn't, you know, regardless of what you do, um, you know, you have to, we have to play with more of an edge and more urgency. And like I said, you know, maybe it's 13 of 17, maybe it's 10 of 17. Um, but we had to have more and, and, and we found that at halftime and, you know, and, and hung in there and we're in a point where, you know, we cut the lead to single digits and, but you give yourself a really, really difficult hill to climb and a small margin for error. And you have to almost be perfect at that point. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Quinn, it felt like they were rotating pretty quickly on you guys out on the three-point line. Did it feel like they were putting maybe more pressure on the you guys out there than you have seen recently? 
Um, you know, I thought we had a lot of looks. Um, you know, they required you make quick decisions, as you said. Um, they're up and aggressive at the point of the screening pick and roll. And that means you have to get off the ball quickly and, you know, and, and be spaced and, and make good pass. I thought the accuracy of our passes suffered. I thought they impacted us some with that, which gave them a little more time to close out. Um, but it just requires us to be more precise, you know, to use a ball fake, to pass the ball a split second sooner. Um, but we had, you know, we had, you know, we had a lot of open looks, but, you know, we needed to make more given the fact that we, you know, gotten ourselves into, you know, such a deficit. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, I guess the same question that Tony asked you about the three-point shooting, but about Nikola Jokic's performance. How did you feel you guys defended him on his 47-point night? And, uh, you know, how much of that is tip your cap to a good player versus uh, things you could have done better? Well, I, I think, you know, it's both, you know, and sometimes when you say one, it diminishes the other. So, you know, it's definitely tip your cap. Um, but at the same time, you know, you have to believe, you know, everybody in our locker room um, has to believe that, that we can do better. And I think we are capable of doing better. It was, you know, he had a lot of space to operate. Um you know, I, I thought, you know, collectively, you know, obviously it, it falls to, you know, in this case, you know, to, to Rudy and Fave. That's a that's a tall task for them. But I think if, you know, you ask Rudy, I think Rudy would say that he could do better, um, you know, and, and we all can helping him. So he puts a lot of pressure on you. As I said, he came out shooting the ball so well from three. Um, and we just needed to be a little more aggressive uh, getting back to him. We closed out too short against him. You know, we didn't help quite soon enough. And when we did, um, you know, he, he made him. So, uh, as I said, a, a little bit of both situations. But he's, he's a great player. He's a great player. And Anderson, KSLSports.com. Quinn, he seemed to, speaking of Jokic, he seemed to get in a rhythm pretty early in the game. How hard is it to break rhythm of great players? Because you guys benefit from it as well. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, that, that you, you can change a couple things to try to take someone out of a rhythm. You know, I, I thought, you know, we started with Boyan on him at the beginning of the game. I actually thought um, – you know, Boyan did a pretty good job on him. You know, he's going to be able to shoot over him. And, you know, the first possession, we wanted to have a little more help. Um, you know, Rudy was a little late coming over. Um, and then there were a couple other possessions where um, he made some tough plays, you know, as you said. But I think the main thing is to try to – you just have to try to make it hard. And to the extent I thought it was too easy in the first half, as I said, I don't you know, think anybody in our locker room would disagree with that, not just on him, but on their team. Team. Um, I am, um, you know, take some consolation in the fact that, that we came out the second half with more of an edge, I think did a better job. But again, you know, he's still going to get get some. It's, it's hard. You know, you, you don't want to give him 47 points. But at the same time, if you're doubling him doing things, he's so he's such a willing and uh, not just capable, but you know, unique elite passer um, that it just requires everybody to, you know, to be unbelievably urgent and precise in what you're doing defensively to make it difficult for him. Last question, Joe Varden, The Athletic. Hey, Quinn, it's nice to see you. It's kind of a, a two-parter here. First, um, mm -hmm. given how far into the year you guys are and how good you've been, um, does any part of the way last season ended still come up in your conversations uh, or the guys' conversations? 
And then kind of along with that, this far into the year now, um, and the Jazz are right at the top of the West, the top of the NBA. Um, how do you feel like, how do you feel you guys have looked compared to some of those other great teams and where you think you fit in, in that conversation? Honestly, I don't, I, I don't think we're thinking about that. Um, you know, you, you always, you know, learn from, um, experience, but as far as looking at the standings or, you know, comparing ourselves to other teams, you know, th- those things happen at the end of the year. And, you know, regardless of what your perception is of yourselves or someone else's perception of you, um, you know, the, the key thing is to be at your best then. So I, I think that's been the focus that we've had um, up to this point. It'll be the same focus we have after tonight. Um, I think regardless of the result, you know, our our challenge to ourselves has been to try to continue to get better. And, you know, that's what you take from a night like tonight. You know, there's, there's, it's hard in the regular season to evaluate yourself on any one game. Um, But you can certainly uh, on the result of any one game. Um, But that doesn't mean, you know, you don't evaluate how you played. And I I think that's the primary thing that, that you want to take with it. And that's what allows you to help, helps you get better. There's Quinn Snyder. His team lost 128-117. to Donovan Mitchell made his return after missing two games um, dealing with uh, concussion protocols. He struggled a little bit. 3 of 12 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, had 13 points, 3 assists, 1 steal, but did uh, look a little uh, out of sync uh, after taking a couple of games off. But here's what he had to say. All right, we'll get started with Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Hey, Don, first game back after being out for a couple. Um, did, did you feel right out there? What did, and are you having any sort of lingering effects from the concussion? Um, no, I mean, they started blasting music loud as hell to start the game, so I think I'm fine. Um, but I feel feel good just trying to get my rhythm back. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, but no really effects at all. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Don, so looking back at that first half when when Denver shoots 15 of 17 from three-point range, um, when you look back at that, what what do you think you guys can do differently? Obviously, a lot of those were tough shots they hit, but um, what else did did you see in terms of what you guys could have done to I make think it? Um, I think it really starts from the beginning. of you look, you look at the end result, you know, think about how they got to those points, you know. Where are we pushing them out of their spots? Where are they catching the ball? Where are they starting the possession? Are we pressuring the ball? Um, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, shots are shots. You know, at the end of the day, great defense beats – great offense beats great defense 10 times out of 10. But um, – at the end of the day, I think it's a matter of how they got to those spots. How do they, are we helping? You know, are we picking up? Are we doing the little things? Um, as opposed to saying, man, they shot 15 or 17. Let's just be more aggressive before we get to that point, before we get to a three-point shot, you know? And like you said, there were some tough shots where we played good defense. They just hit a shot. But I think it's more about, you know, just the possession as a whole, you know, and I, we, we stress that, you know, we start kind of catching the ball at the elbow as opposed to pushing them out to the three-point line, just making them uncomfortable. I don't think we did a good job of that. Brian Miller, KSL. Hey, Donovan, I'm just curious. Do losses after these long win streaks feel a little different? Uh, I think because we felt like 
we didn't play our best in the loss. You know, I think that's that's what hurts, you know, especially the way we played the past two games in Dallas or back home against Dallas. Like to go have that performance and then come out here and then they come out and shoot 15 to 17. You know, I think that's what, you know, hurts the most. And then to come out to play the way we played in the second half, um, that's what kind of stings a little more as opposed to the world is ending. You know, I don't think we're in that mode at all. I think, you know, at the end of the day, this is a loss. You know, we learn from it, move on. But I think it's just the way it happened. I think that's what kind of stings because there's things that we can control um, outside of them shooting, you know, whatever it was from three. Ben Anderson, CastleSports.com. These are the best back-to-back games you've gotten from Boyan so far this season. What, what what are you seeing from him? Does it feel like he's playing differently than he was earlier this um, year? I think he's just one. He's making shots. You know, I think that's that's the the big thing. You know, I think that game last game against Dallas really helped him see how he can kind of get going. You know, there's certain layups that he was missing. You know, he's starting to make. You know, starting to make himself easier for him running in transition, uh, shooting instead of pump faking. You know, whatever it may be uh, for him, and he's, he's he's looking good. He feels in rhythm, and you know, I think that's the biggest thing for us recognizing that. I think he had 30 tonight or whatever. And, you know, only on 13 shots. So, you know, those those that's going to be huge for us just being able to integrate him back you know and we were trying to do it we were trying to do it you know and he was pushing his way and I think this is you know just a start for him um, but we've got to continue helping him you know because we he, he was there for us offensively but we didn't really you know have much else around but um, I think for him it's just being able to see the ball go in just a few times get to the line playing through contact not anticipating the foul uh, I think that's the, kind of the biggest thing. That's Donovan Mitchell again. Donovan, 13 points on 3 of 12 shooting. Uh, Let's now hear from a couple of bigs. Let's start things off with Derek Favors. We'll get started with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Fave, how do you guys feel like um, the effort that you did against Jokic? Obviously, you know, he's a tremendous player and he's going to go out there and do his thing. As you look back at it, are are there things you wish you had done differently or feel like you could have done differently to make it a little tougher for him? Um, I think we could have been a play with a little bit more energy with them, be a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more physical, probably take away some airspace with them. But, you know, he's, he's a great player. You know, he's going to make plays. He's going to make shots. I mean, he's, he's been playing up numbers all year. So, you know, he had, he had a great game, but I think we could have, um, could have played a little better, but, you know, you can't worry about it now. Just got to move on to the, to the next game and, you know, just worry about that when we play him again. But, you know, he just got to give him his credit. He made a lot of um, tough shots, made a lot of plays for him, and, you know, it is what it is. Sarah Todd, Desert News. Babe, kind of in general, when when some of the great players like that are getting hot and going off like that, is there really much that you can do to, to try to take them out of that zone? Um, you know, that, that that's a – you know, that's tough. You know, once a player gets going, um, you know, they start hitting shots, and especially somebody of his caliber that gets, you know, 20 shots, whatever, it's, it's kind of tough to, you know, take that player out of his own. So, like I said, he, he's a good player. Um, I think in the second half, we kind of made it a little bit more tough for him. But by that time, he was already going, and the whole team, you know, was hitting shots, and, you know, they was on fire, and they got going. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I think next game or, you know, whenever we play them again, Thing. We just got to come out just play a little harder, um, play with a little bit more energy um, and not make it so easy for them um, on both sides of the ball. But, you know, like I said, you got to give them their credit. They came out there, played play good, played hard, um, made plays, made a lot of shots, and, you know, they won. Nicole, Tab Deportes. Hi. 
What What is for you the key adjustment for the teeth when you make the beat wrong in the turn? Can you repeat that? I'm sorry. Uh, yes. What is the key adjustment for the team when you make the beat run in the third quarter? Oh, okay. Um, I think we just came out and just played with more energy on the defensive end. We made it, we tried to make it tougher for the um for Jokic, obviously, and um for their guards. And you know, we got some key stops on the offensive end. We was moving the ball, making the extra pass, and guys was making threes and getting to the line and attacking the basket. So um, I think in the third quarter we just picked up the energy and just um, try to fight back and just make good plays. And on the defensive end, just try to make it tough for them, which we did, and they um, started missing shots. But, no, I think that's how we got to start the game out. That was Derek Favors, seven points uh, in 19 minutes. He did grab six rebounds, but uh, had a tough time with Nikola Jokic, as did Rudy Gobert, and let's now hear from Rudy. We'll start with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Rudy. So um, Quinn was saying that he felt like there just wasn't enough of an edge defensively for the first half tonight. Uh, I guess, you know, after after the defense you guys have been playing lately, what kind of caused that tonight, and, and how do you rebound from that? I mean, it's tough to win a game against a good team when you give up 80 points in the, in the first half, and, you know, that's what we did tonight. Uh, I think there was multiple reasons, but... You know, I think there's a lot of things that we can control that we, we can do better. And at the same time, you got to give them credit, too. I mean, they, they shot 100% from three. I think they missed one three in the first half. Most of them were contested, too. So, you know, it's it's on us to, to make sure we come out and maybe make them feel us a little more and, uh, and be a little more physical. And, uh, you know, I think we did a great job in the second half, you know, uh, playing better defense and, uh, and offensively, you know, I think uh, we would, we're not having any trouble to scoring. So, you know, it's just hard to win when you give up 80 points in one half. Brian Miller, KSL. Hey, Rudy. Um, how, as you mentioned, they shot lights out in that first half. How difficult is it to, I guess, stay engaged, keep that urgency up when teams are just going off like that? <laughs> I mean, it's um, it's a battle, you know. You wanna you wanna keep doing what you do and not overreact, but at the same time, they keep making them. They keep making them. So you know, we we try to maybe be a little more aggressive, run them up the line, and then they and then they get easy stuff in the paint. So it's really, I think, it's really on us to you know keep our composure and make sure we don't you know if they're gonna make shots early, it's gonna be contested shots, and uh, and then whenever they miss, we gotta make sure we control the rebound and uh, and we can go. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Rudy, what more can be done, or what maybe could you could you think that could have been done better against Jokic? I mean, as you said, they were shooting a lot, and he was he was a huge part of that. I mean, a lot of things, a lot of things. I think he got you know he got it going early. Uh, I, sh- I mean, I should have done a much better job. You know, he, he scored way too easily, especially in the first half. Second half was much better, but. You know, it's once again when someone's called thirty in the first half. Um, you know, it's tough to be in a position when you can uh, when you can win a game, and it's uh, it's a big. I mean, I take full responsibility for that. You know, I gotta the team relies on me, and I gotta come up, you know, better in the first half. Christo Saltos, Sport DNA, Greece. Hello, Rudy. How could you ex- how could you describe the effort on second and third quarter tonight? And uh, as uh, one of the leaders of this team, you feel responsible to make a step up and be more dominate uh, on the next game. 
Of course, you know, of course, it's a long season. You know, uh, you know, every. I mean, it's human. You know, you can you can be at the top all the time, and you know, sometimes we're gonna have nights or we're gonna have quarters when, or you know, moments where you know we're not as good, and we gotta make sure that you know we we know why, we understand why, and next game we come out and uh, you know we 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 do what we do. And tonight was one of those nights when you know we had the first half when you know we that once again we gave up 80 points uh, as a top defensive team in the league. That's that should not happen. You know, so we're going to make sure that it doesn't happen again. That was Rudy Gobert, 12 points, 8 rebounds. He had an assist. He did have a block as well, but took a lot of accountability on uh, letting Nikola Jokic go and have a big night. Got to be better from the beginning, according to pretty much everybody we've heard from uh, in the postgame. Uh, Jazz lose to the Nuggets, 128-117. to Up next, they have the Detroit Pistons tomorrow night. That game will tip off at 8 o'clock. There's the best of the postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, crazy finishes, ridiculous wins for the Wizards and the Blazers, hideous losses for the Bulls and for the Brooklyn Nets. We get to all of that coming up. Stay with us.